and welcome back, everyone. Um, this is again the Desert Tones podcast with um, host Joey, my two buddies. This is Jared, and this is Dylan. Um, I want to thank everyone again for listening. Uh, we're today going to continue to speak a bit more about amps and some of the things that um, perhaps we missed or wanted to speak further about from the last episode. Um, but first, we're going to try to add a, a new segment that we're going to experiment with, which is um, speaking about um, some of the new things happening in the music world and some of the things we've been looking at, uh, including what's on our reverb feed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's on... <laughs> Sorry, I, I maybe took some of the wind out of you there by doing that. Um I wasn't sure if we should all chant that or. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yes, uh, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that we've been looking at each individually, some of the stuff we've like paying attention to um, music news wise and just have some sort of lighter um, thing to start the episodes off with. So it's not just so, uh, you know, on the rails the whole time. So um, anything that you guys have been looking at or have been eyeing or came up on the watch list recently? Yeah, so uh, a couple days ago, uh, Eric Clapton put out a remastered uh, visual uh, and a live concert. Um, and so it's like some a lot of footage and stuff that I've never really seen before. And that was like in the early 90s. And that okay. was back when he was playing uh, Strats with uh, Lace Sensors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I really, that's the a really pluses, cool. Yeah, and the Strat Plus and yeah. all that stuff. So I was like, I've always been casually into those and yeah i i think i've only gotten to play like one or two i think robin scott has one the guy in carlsbad um and so yeah kind of been into those i did have a rid like a, a more modern clapton strat several years ago the black one and yeah. that had the noiseless pickups in it but those lace sensors are a slightly different flavor yeah yeah and, those are cool i had a buddy that had one that was red that um from one of my last jobs when my coworkers had one and it got stolen but he loved that. And actually, when I was in Seattle just uh, a weekend or two ago, I went over and met up with our buddy Tom. Shout out, Tom. Um, I'm pretty sure we saw one that was identical in one of the shops there. It was it was like the candy apple red with the maple board. Or maybe it was a frozen board. I don't know. But it has like, you know, that strange, like, I want to say it's a roller nut, almost yeah, like the metal yeah, one, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. then the lace sensors. And it's like... I don't know if they do that for all of them, but each one of them has like there's like the red one, the gold one, and like the black one or whatever. Like the the little the brand that says lace insert, it's like yeah. a different color that to signify yeah. the different models. There's like the golds and the something else, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think those are really cool. Fun to revisit. Maybe someday I'll own one. Yeah. Um other stuff that I've been into recently. Wait, what what is a, a lace sensor? <laughs> They're like uh, strap pickups, um, and they don't have the pull pieces on top. They're just like solid white. Okay. And it was like oh. a different kind of technology getting yeah. into what became the noiseless pickups. Okay. But it just has a certain sonic characteristic that is really love or hate. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Okay. But, yeah, I think the idea is that they don't use like normal pull pieces at all. It's like, I think visually it would look kind of like what you'd see like a an active one would look like as far yeah. as like having yeah. a cover on it but no pull pieces visible but i don't know too much about the technology i just you remember they had them in like early strandberg that was a big thing but they yeah. were the humbucker ones that looked kind of strange with or like different 
yeah um, yeah no pull pieces they have these like crazy like rectangular looking patterns on them and stuff yeah now that i just i pulled up a, a photo of some and i recognize it now i just didn't actually know that that's what they were called yeah it's mm. the brand as far as i know mm. Mm. yeah so those are those are really cool um of course prs has been putting out some cool stuff lately um really like the silver sky SCs. i think those colors look so much better than yeah. the initial runs yeah, they they made a purple one, right? Yeah. There was a purple one. There was like a new, like darker teal, yeah. I think, right? Um, and then like the black. Oh, and, and they added the black and the gray, which yeah. I think those are cool. I like the gray one a lot. Yeah. yeah. I really like my green one. I think it looks a lot better in person than like the. It does look way better in person. On the internet, no, for sure. sure. Yeah, it looks way better in person. Um, and what else? The. Uh, PRS SE DGT that seems to be, have gotten a lot of hype. I, I still haven't gotten to try one the last time I was up in the Albuquerque area. I was going to go visit my pals up at the Village Guitarist, and they had a couple in stock, but they, they sold them really quick. So definitely want to check those out. Those do look cool. Um, and speaking a little bit, just something, an amp that I've been into recently. Uh, shout out to my buddy, Jonathan Mayonez. He has a Mesa Fillmore 50 head. Oh, the Fillmore's are cool. I've heard about the combos. But. Yeah, I just—I'm sure we both just watched Josh's. Oh video yeah, yeah. Of him Josh, profiling uh, De La. Josh De La Victoria. Yeah. Well, I didn't—I didn't see the new one, but I remember he—he he had an episode where he talked about having that, and I was like, "Oh, that's a cool amp." Yeah, yeah. So I—I I only the other day discovered that it does have reverb on it. The, the reverb controls are on the back. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't—I didn't know that because it doesn't show anything on the front. I was like, "Where is that?" But. I think those just are very aesthetically pleasing. They're yeah, cool. They look super sick. But yeah, that's kind of the stuff I've been poking at recently. Well, also PRS announced the the uh, NF fifty three oh, and then yeah. the oh yeah the, the new T style thing. Other uh, Miles uh, Kennedy signature, which I mean I'm not super familiar with his playing, but I did pay pretty close attention to the announcement. Um, I think that those look super sick. It's it's a a unique take on a telly body for sure the pickups are are really interesting um it, they're not really they're narrow fields yeah it's slightly different thing. yeah um the clips i've heard of it they seem to sound pretty good i'm not super crazy about the finishes that they did in the non or the non signature model um but uh the miles kennedy ones look really good especially the green one um they're they're a, a little expensive i, I mean I, I don't think it's super super high end for prs stuff normally that goes for for you know quite a bit but um i would be really interested to play one um i like that they're keeping that prs headstock kind of going with everything that they've done so like classic body styles but prs's headstock which i think is 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 cool I, I get tired of the the classic one mm -hmm. um and uh other than that m my my reverb feed has been pretty stale actually i i went on this like rabbit hole of looking at a uh, thunderbolt 4 audio uh, uh thunderbolt 4 audio interfaces just because I was getting some weird latency issues, but um, that's kind of come to nothing. Uh, 
And then um, I've also been looking a lot at uh, some of the new, like the new, like, uh, they don't call it labs, but um, Ibanez launched that series of guitars that are like not prestige or premium, but they're not like low end. They're like kind of like test lab kind of things. And they have that, that headless Q52 uh that i thought looked really cool they actually also had that at uh um at tillage uh oh yeah but i didn't get a chance to go over there and play it i just wanted to see how it how it felt and how it played um interesting shape um i like that blue finish quite a bit and um but probably the main thing that's been on my radar this week for sure is uh jake bowen from uh periphery uh he announced his new uh, uh signature pickups from uh Demarzio, um a mirage so it's a humbucker and then a single coil uh with with rails instead of the pole pieces mm-hmm. um looks looks really really cool they look really classy that mm-hmm. that like nickel finish that they have with the uh, the uh graphic on the hum on the humbucker is cool if i were if i were to get a set i'd probably get some in white to match what's on the on the uh az um so it's not like super jarring but um yeah i i i really like his new his his new uh signature uh ibanez i think that's a really sharp looking uh guitar and it's it's unique in a cool way like you know just for the type of music that he plays yeah um and its application is super interesting yeah it's definitely my favorite of all the signatures he's had so far except for the jb1 jbm1 yeah and the 420 z which is not a signature model but yeah 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 um yeah i didn't i had a couple of things let's see i had um i mean some of the things that i'll like I'll occasionally add, like I'm thinking the most recent additions that I put to the searches. Um, if there was like, ever, like I still look for solid deals on Gibson grabbers, but it's, it's hard to find any that are under like 2,500. They're just like so much more pricey now. And then there's like, there's some that I think they want, I want to say they did in like, like the nineties, early nineties somewhere where they did a reissue, but the pickup they did uh, is not, like it's the same construction as far as the way it slides and everything and you move it around. But the pickup they did, I've just heard a lot of people say that it's like not what they were, like the original ones were. Sure. So like mm-hmm. I kind of end up avoiding those despite, or like don't pay them too much mind whenever I see them um, for that reason. But those are always cool. I still look for like, I always look for like, I just have Fender Yellow as a, one of the search terms to pull up into the feed for like youth guitars. And if there was like, I've seen a couple of cool, um, they did a, or they did it last year too. It was the, they did, they, it was called the international color series from Fender where they did like, uh, you know, tellies and strats and, um, some colors. And so one of them was Monaco yellow, which is not on the darker side of yellows. It's kind of a bit brighter, like almost towards like what a, a neon yellow would be almost like not fully that far, but yeah, they had some come out for 2023 and there was some decent deals on them. And I almost like thought about buying one, but it was one of those where like I looked at the ad or the listing for like 
maybe two days in a row and then was just kind of like secretly hoping that someone would buy it so i didn't have to look at it anymore and then, <laughs> and then it did happen so uh but it was like a really good price it was cool are um, those japanese made ones? i think they are yeah. yeah i think that's what it is well, those are pretty reasonably priced yeah it's yeah. like decent price now i mean it's still like not probably what my like ideal one would be in my head but like it's just was a cool one something that looked really visually appealing to me um i still look for uh or like would maybe pull the trigger on a good deal on the um, old prs sce michael ockerfeld signature model that's a oh, really yeah, cool yeah. one that one's always in the feed and like that one's gotten quite a bit more expensive than it used to be it used to be like in the five to six hundred dollar range now people want like minimum eight or nine or some of them have been up in the like thousand dollar eleven hundred range um but if i found a good deal on that uh and like one with like a a decent top on it i'd probably consider it i think those are so cool it's like one of my favorite guitars that like i again like played in person at guitar center was like blown away by like how good it was it's really sick and i guess the last thing is uh occasionally i always search for um the jhv3 which was a a guy who did mods to different pedals of which were some of which were for the m series of line six pedals mm-hmm. and he had oh yeah yeah, yeah. i've had You're a couple of them over the years i've had a line i've had an m5 that was jhv3 modded and i've had an m9 that was jhv3 modded uh i regret selling those because they like do things where they like and uh, they add like a, a master volume to it. The switches are better and they're like more silent or like soft switches. Um, and then they have things like they upgrade the like relays in it in some way that like enhances the audio. I, I would have to pull up the thing to like fully remember, but um, occasionally one will come up for like a, uh, like an M nine with those mods. It's really an M five that I would like now, but um they're like all those units were like i guess so popular amongst like country players and people in like the tennessee area it's like just a a tried and true unit yeah um, that people use and so like whenever you see them come up they're always like especially for the m9 as a used used unit that's like got those mods like 600 bucks 500 bucks m5 would maybe ideally be under three and that's what i would look forward at but um yeah that's the only other thing recently that's like come to mind that like if one came up for the right deal, I would I would try to get one. Does uh, Agrafelt still play PRS? Yeah, he doesn't have signatures anymore. I don't think either of them have current signatures now. But I want to say I saw. Especially, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but they did like PRS did that series of like phoning different artists in over like a um, mm. like a a voice cam situation, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they were still on it. So they, they still play for sure. Yeah, that's cool. I guess the, the other thing that I forgot t- to mention is that um, it's not really on on my uh, reverb feed, but I've taken and somewhat of an interest in trying to trying to build my own pedals. And so I've been practicing uh, doing that with kits from Stumac. And then uh, I bought a bunch of uh, components to, to try and design a a uh uh completely custom circuit um and that's been going slowly to say the least but it's been a lot of fun i have a lot better understanding about how how these things work and uh like what different parts do to the audio signal and you know how to 
how to achieve something that is that is somewhat a unique um it's also like really shocking to me this is completely off subject but it's shocking to me how um uh inexpensive component pieces are like you you can get like a crap load of parts or not very expensive so it's not a huge deal to like try and try and try and try and try again and hopefully come up with something it's not like a huge like a huge cost impact but um yeah that's been the thing that that's been primarily on on uh my radar like as far as musically related gear goes yeah that's really cool yeah so last month now which is crazy to think uh we um had an episode talking about amplifiers and the amplifiers that we've owned and kind of things that we look for and and uh what is of of interest to us i mean in the last few weeks we've we've all kind of or at least i have thought a a little bit more about it thought thought about you know what my interests are more specifically um in that realm and like what shapes and colors the sound of of uh like what component pieces matter most when thinking about about like purchasing an amplifier and then also tweaking it to your liking um and this has really become increasingly like relevant to me when uh like playing bass and recording music that is in a different kind of genre than what I've played in the past and thinking about how to how to EQ and how to how to get sounds that fit the mood uh, of of uh like of the song I guess and um I think I've said before and I probably said it a bunch is like uh, whenever I buy anything like I really am most interested in um versatility more so than specialization and i think that that is really starting to kind of change given like the more that i'm exposed to things that are like highly specialized for certain sounds the more i realize okay there that is that way for a reason and in some cases like jack of all trades master of none is is okay but if you're really trying to to hit a target um uh I think it's important to have like the right tool for the job. And that came up previously when thinking about our, uh, whenever I was talking about that, that soft tube plugin for the Eden amplifier. But lately I've been playing out of, uh, my Asa subway and, uh, just playing like, um, George Strait songs or Fleetwood Mac songs and, you know, using the, the, the um flat to boost knob that that cuts a lot of the of of the low end makes it sound a little more vintage it's it's like actually insane how much that does to allowing you to achieve a certain feel but then that also led me to be thinking about okay well what about cabinet um and like cabinet design and cabinet size and the speakers that are inside of it. And I don't know if I brought this up last time, um, but I'm using a quilter baseliner two by 10. And uh, that's been my cab now for like maybe six or seven months. And I'm, I've been like very happy with it. However, um, I've been thinking a lot about getting a one by 15 because 
I want that extra base response and um, I kind of like the range that, that that you can get from a one by 15 given the size of the speaker. Um, but yeah, I've just been doing like a lot of a reflecting about like what what am I looking for? Why am I looking for it? What's the best way to achieve that? And like what goes into the technical construction and like what what aspects would I want to keep? Like if I was to make a perfect piece of gear, like what would I put in it? What would I take away from what I currently have? And it's kind of a long and rambling way to say I've been thinking about amplifiers, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's kind of been what's on on my mind, I guess. Yeah, I think there's because again we've talked about it before, but uh, yeah, there, it just it, you got to kind of figure out like where you're willing to make those concessions on, like what you need like that sort of versatility for, like in the realm of like you know because. Um, I don't know that you have any units that are like this. And maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Jared and I have both been fans of things like the Line 6 M M series. Um, also, the uh, Boss uh, multi-effects units. Jared's owned, a, uh, he's mentioned before, like some of the like base-specific ones before. Yeah. And I guess we've all sort of had experience with like the Line 6 units and stuff like that now, but like more recently, I'm still very much interested in like the Boss MS3, and that's like an example of like yeah. a unit where you could um you know it does so much but like it it is like they acknowledge with that unit that there may be people that have their own preferences um, as opposed to whatever it is they're including within the box so it's like i can live with knowing that like i don't need this one specific delay or like the top end of the delays that are available i can just use what's in there and that'll be fine but i do have specifics in, in regarding like how i need the distortion to feel Right. And, you know, how I you maybe want the, you know, anything with the course of sound. You can say that about the delay, too. But, you know, it's just, again, you make those concessions based on what you know and what you like and what you're trying to accomplish. So mm. uh, it would make sense that, like, in some time, especially with acquiring more stuff, you've come to, like, find, you know, maybe I, I do want something a bit more specific or, like, sure. there's something very cool. And even in that, we mentioned before, too, like, sometimes it's in using something that, like, maybe does have a specific application and design intention. Um, but using it outside of that achieves something as well. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, yeah. that's the whole thing too. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot of that in that like is unknown for me within the bass world. Um, so I'm definitely interested in, in hearing some more about um, what you've come to, to understand about what you like in your rigs and things, you know? Yeah. I think just like speaking about um, like use case, that is one of the most exciting things I think, with with any hobby or something is that you have a particular like idea for what you're going to use said tool for and then you discover oh wait it also does this thing really well or i'm able to do things with this that i never would have expected like it has a feature set or you find an application for it that that like really wasn't in intended and i um just to speak briefly about like tonal characteristics of bass sound. Um, I've, I think I've really tried to gravitate away from uh, more modern sounding tones than I used to previously 
kind of try to achieve with uh, like high distortion, heavy gain, um, like very dark glass branded, like like pedal kit stuff that has that that very modern sound. Um, just playing music in different contexts that don't really need that 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 modern tone has kind of led me to you know explore more like okay what did Getty Lee use like why why does his playing style and the stuff that are and the gear that he had have such a unique tunnel characteristic that that makes it stand out but also still feel so so warm and um you know the like you can like we said beforehand like petals and things like that are like the condiments like that's like the seasoning on the steak um i think i i made some asinine analogy be i think about how many ways you can make rice or something like that but um you know if if the steak isn't cooked well it's hard to 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 season it to a point that it sounds good and so i think that's really where um focusing more on amp on amplifier tone eqing correctly on 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 board the amp first and then and then working backwards from there um that's been like kind of a change of not like a change of heart but just like a change in the way that i think about achieving a sound i guess yeah um and traditionally i've always been someone that gravitated towards uh you know how versatile is this piece of gear and like want knowing that i'm like interested in several different genres and like wanting to be able to at least get there kind of with a certain amp or something and while that can be cool um you know like as jared said like as time goes on like sometimes those jack of all trade pieces of gear are maybe not always the most inspiring thing and it's it's exciting uh you know getting keyed in on an amp that does one you know that has an area of expertise and you can really start to understand more about like what makes that sound special and like what you know part start to more understand what uh you know our favorite artists where they were at when they were using these kind of gear to create these records that we really like yeah um and yeah i've feel like i've not had as extensive like experience with amps um just in like being able to really play them a lot and start to build a uh, like bond with it more and finding like what 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 really clicks with me in that space but um like you know i'm not as schooled on the vox world as you guys are so it's really cool to hear you guys talk about that and playing through the amp and it's like this is a different feel than my little prs at home but it's really cool that it's different but it's just a thing you have to spend time with yeah um yeah i think again part of it's like part of the fun is like knowing the limitations or like finding out what they are and maybe trying to like push them mm-hmm. with something that's like very specialized um yeah and uh, like to be honest like i i think just to briefly state, like, I, I don't know, like, I would maybe want to be weary of, like, pigeonholing things like just saying all of the dark. And, like, I don't know, we haven't said thus far, but, like, all the dark glass stuff, they have a range of stuff that they offer. Yeah, yeah, too yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. Like, I think to be even more specific, it's about, again, specifically the, like, high gain thing, like you mentioned and stuff like that there. And I, I think that there's 
I don't think that with the example of like something like their flagship, like B7K or B3Ks and other ones of the like, like I think even in those units though, like it's not like you just turn them on and then you're, you're stuck with insanely modern and aggressive metal sound. Um, and so I want to be careful about maybe not giving off the wrong idea on that either. But like, I, I see what you're saying about, um, you know, seeing what other options are, are there are out there for, you know, people that are like doing this other thing. And as opposed to like, just trying, which we've spoken about before, just trying to make whatever you have work within that realm, just like checking to see what that is. And then, you know, look into that more, um, see why they, again, why they chose that. And then you kind of get some additional clarity on like, okay, well they did like a lot of the things that I've come to and come understand were like, they did this with that. I know my amp responds in this way. And so then you come across those like new ideas that come into it. where like, you know, like, oh, people are using box CC thirties in this way in the like hardcore and post hardcore scene. And, you know, they're, they, that works cause it breaks up in a certain way, but like maybe that's accomplishable on something like the 5150 in a not so aggressive way by using something like the green channel, which I think is an underrated part of that amp. But like, yeah, like I just, you just don't see people like, I, I think what's, what's happened now in more recent years and maybe even like the last decade is that like people look at something, what it, it can do and only think that it can really do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like people would see like a fifty one fifty and think like that does the one thing. And it does. It does it in a very specific way, but like outside of like getting a, a really usable clean sound, they can do quite a bit more, even on the unexplored areas of it, like the green channel, etc. Yeah, I think a lot of that though is is the way that those things are kind of marketed and then the way that the artist that popularizes them or or the group of artists that have popularized them it just so happens to do one thing particularly well. And so almost by virtue of the fact that that's how it's most often seen, exactly. that's what it mm. is, is perceived as being able to do. Mm. I mean, certainly with uh, like the, uh, to take the hard glass pedal again, which is actually, it's a preamp, uh, you know, like to take that, example again like sure you you have a lot of control over over overall gain the blend between the clean and the and distorted uh signal what frequencies it can it can cut um i mean there's a you know it, it can kind of go from from a to z if you're uh willing to put the time in on it and they've they've put out an an even wider set of preamp pedals designed specifically for bass that can you know cover even more ground than their original pieces could um but just because of the type of people that are frequently seen playing it in the context that it's being played i think it it's like easy to kind of get it get that like tunnel vision yeah and and like not realize that Yes, it does X very well, but you know you're you're kind of missing the forest for the trees there with that piece of gear, um, which is interesting, right? Like, um, you know, we all kind of have a habit of like, oh, the new thing that I want will make something better. Like that'll make this achievable, this sound achievable. I'll be able to do 
this or that or something whenever a lot of times the answer is within ourselves like yeah you you've had the capability the friends we made along the way <laughs> <laughs> like you know so I mean I think that's an important kind of thing to consider to or continue to keep in mind um, but I also just I enjoy exploring other avenues like you know as far as far as like cabinets go the on the last episode i said you know i've owned a four by ten base cab i've owned an eight by ten base cab neither of which were incredibly high quality and and now a two by ten i would really like to try out a one by fifteen like that's not in a store and you know a b it see how it you know handles my my rig now differently do i prefer it and so on or even have a one by 15 as an extension and i can yeah take yeah, it off w- and would on. that physically be bigger than yours currently or is it smaller um i believe it's it's like about the same size it's just wider and not as tall oh, okay. so um uh quilter well the baseliner series that i have is actually discontinued but they back when they were they were making those they made them in such a way that they were to be sold with i believe the amp head series that they were being sold with was called like uh the tone block or the bass block or something like that anyway on the back of the cabinet it has like a tray kind of that um where the speaker cable goes in but it has a mounting point for your head because it it's it's a solid state bass head so kind of like in the way that the Ampeg like flip top stuff used to go down inside the cabinet, this is the same idea except it's hidden behind it, hmm. um, and uh, it was all meant to kind of stack on top of each other as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've seen a few. They made two different two by tens. They made one that's just straight, and then they they made one that like had like a baffle on it that was like 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 had a, like had an arch to it um and then a one by 15 that you could use as an extension because the 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 amps that they were making alongside that stuff uh was meant to be able to power like two if you wanted to or something like that Mm -hmm. which of course i I don't i don't have have the head i I didn't really care to have the head but i think the cab sounds really good yeah it does but the logicals next step for me would have been to get a mesa subway four by 10 or two by 10 because it not only because it matches the the model series of the amplifier but because a lot of people consider those to be really great bass cabs they're like you know they're well made uh they're deep they're responsive they don't they're not like flubby but they you know have a lot of like rumble to them um but it just ends up being like cost to benefit kind of analysis there as far as like and also i would like to sit down and play one and see how i like it and i Mm. haven't gotten to do that yet so something i was thinking about uh there was like and this is largely in like the rock and metal communities that we're plugged into is like i don't see and maybe I'm just not plugged into it, but I just don't see the same like concern for 
things like the bass cabinet and speakers um, with within the realm of like recording the instrument as I do for guitars. Yeah, and I wonder sure. how much of that is just because such a key portion of the sound of the instrument is the DI. Yeah, in that, mm-hmm. and like certainly that's blended in with the amp sound, but like it almost seems like engineers are m- much more willing to manipulate that sound after the fact where and get like a really crazy result that you don't see the same logic applied um, towards the guitars. And like, it's just an interesting thing that I've noticed that like, you don't see people talking about like, what speakers do you have in your, in your bass cabinet? Like you could, I, I definitely get people that talk about like, like the sound of the 410 versus the 810 or the 610 or the 115 and things like that. And like the 410 or 210 sounding tighter than yeah. the 810 um, and things like that. Same as like a, an, you know, a, a guitar cabinet would be, but yeah, I just noticed that they don't see, I don't see so much discussion about this again, within the communities that I'm plugged into, like, I'm certain yeah. that like in the other ones, like there, there has to be a market for it. like, without a doubt there is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just wonder why in, in our, our realm of things for like the rock and music stuff or rock and metal stuff, there's not so much. I think, so what I have come to understand is because of what, what you're, what you're expecting to do to the bass in post after it's recorded with the DI and you have a parallel recording of a distorted bass that has a lot more high end to it, um, the way that you're blending the two is so much more important than miking up the cab and getting and, and doing it that way. Like you can achieve. like a much more concise sound profile using the di and then a distorted signal separately no matter however you choose to get that and i i don't but i don't have a good answer for that i i almost wonder if it's like people just don't what is audible in the mix is it's not as concerning for for bass or or people that are doing the engineering know what they're going to cut out anyway. And so the the response to the speakers is maybe not quite as important. But I, I think you're right in saying I'd never once heard in the community, with the caveat being, with the communities that we're plugged into, anybody even really mention that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um but you've also, so you've had, you haven't had a, a tube head yet, have you? No, I've never had a, a, a tube head for a bass, no. And normally you would expect to see that in a larger amp anyways. But I know that like, for example, one that Ed from Thrice has historically used in the studios is an old uh, B15, the Ampeg B15. And there was like a certain like magical one that he had that yeah. was really cool. But like... That's another thing where like you don't hear so much talk about, at least I don't read so much talk about again the tube selection within the realm of like what a bass amp is, um, and does. Yeah, I, I I feel like in, I'm sure like in non-metal, non like modern rock that that is more of a conversation. Um, I think it's just the music sometimes or what is most popular just like 
there's a mentality that it calls for like the most pure, cleanest thing, sharpest thing, and not being able to like have the speaker and a little bit of like the room involved too. Um, because like kind of taking a step away from the base thing for a minute, like I remember reading an article about John Mayer when he was like really using the MPC and he was talking about like playing guitar on like hip hop records and stuff. And he was saying like, I bring my amps and producers don't want to use them. Like they just want a clean signal because it just goes with the whole image of the music and like the virtual drums and stuff. And so I think, you know, sometimes mm. just different music calls for it so it's like he kind of got forced into using you know di guitars for that kind of thing you know and that's that's just an aside but yeah so you know i think the modern metal stuff calls for like that super sharp direct like you know slicing thing whereas like you know a roots rock record would have a little bit more room mic on everything and you, yeah there, that might that might come up more so just yeah, I will say that like that Ampeg amp specifically, Dylan has actually been sending me a few videos about the classic amp and then like a type of reissue that that has been floating around. Um, uh, that is a very well regarded bass amp. Yeah, it's very popular. Um, uh, and I think that something else that has been brought to my attention though is. Um, I never I well first of all because I've never owned a tube bass he amp head but I've certainly moved my fair share of heavy bass cabinets but I was talking with a coworker um who you know he's played in like like funk slash rock bands for a majority of his life and um I went to visit him for a work thing like a month and a half ago and he he was like shocked that I had a solid state head, and he was like, "Wow, that's that's like really crazy because nobody that I jam with uses a solid state head. I can't believe how small and like how light it is." And I think that's that's an interesting thing too. Is like there there's there's certainly been a it seems intentional in some as much as I can know about the R and D of like the uh, development of new amp technology and the way that companies like see how they can market new products. It does seem like there has been somewhat of a drive towards making base amps in particular, smaller and lighter and not run as hot um, as they did previously. Uh, and of course there's there like, there's a spectrum there, but a lot of new amps that I see, they 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 all are all kind of in the same vein of solid state, um, like high high wattage, but you know they weigh under ten pounds or something like that, which is kind of interesting. I don't really know how relevant that is, or if it if it's just like a trend that I've got like observation bias to like for that, or if it's actually. Uh, something that the market is like um, facilitating, but I don't know. It's just interesting. I think it, it goes back to what the application is. Cause I think I, cause I wonder like, for example, with like the one that you have and it having the flat and the boost knob and you know, all the talk on 
moving a, moving towards a war more warmer sound you would be able to accomplish by just having a different amp and not really having the like a tube amplifier and not having to change so much of your rig, the rest of your rig like i mean you've changed now to an entirely different amp but i just wonder if like if you ran and i guess you haven't really changed too many other things other than adding like a, a pedal here or there for the, like the bass rig specifically um but i just wonder like you i would guess you'd still be able to get a a some amount of warmth imparted by just nature the fact of using the tubes um in an amp instead of having to like have something that's like voice specifically to sound more warm it's just like inherently yeah, yeah. part of the character or yeah. and or look for more vintage gear to get more warmth or like that kind of more round sound sure i just wonder again like, and, and i think part of the reason that's not so much of a discussion to what as Dylan said too, is because like so much more important is the like direct signal um, from the, from the base and you can kind of like make anything else work um, around that. And I think the other thing is the, the efficiency is maybe a part of why it's gotten smaller and smaller. It's like trying to make it more efficient. And I think there is something about the bass instrument with as low as it reaches within the audible range of sound that like maybe is something that, people that design it want to like try to make more and more audible or like i don't know i i don't know that with even solid state talk technology from like 10 15 years ago that it was still able to like efficiently produce the range of notes that were already that already existed on the instrument sure um and have for years but um you know, it's the same thing with like the pickup talk and like, you know, as we've gone further and further and like, especially with like all the new more full range systems that people have access to just within their homes, like you just have access to being able to hear so much more Yeah. now. And so like, I just wonder if there's, I would guess there's like, it would be a concerted effort by some amount of people in the business to uh, make that more audible. And maybe that part of that means like, it doesn't matter that it's, really warm it's about making like a unit that like can efficiently produce all of that and then just trying to downscale that as much as possible without sacrificing like you know yeah things. yeah yeah i think that's really interesting yeah but yeah yeah, yeah. it's like that kind of thing so it's like i'm having that more now uh when i'm seeing like the base stuff that you get well i got talked into the the cabinet by jason yeah um I knew that I wanted the head like from like for a while. I had been looking at that for a while. And then I went down there and talked to to Jason at Hubbard's for I mean, it wasn't just like a one and done conversation. Like we we sat there and had a few heart to hearts about <laughs> about what we were what like what I was looking for and what he thought was interesting and what he used and what I've owned in the past and that kind of thing. And like he, I, I had already had the other uh, Mesa head and I just took it down there and played through a few different things and landed on. I like that the best. Yeah. And also you have to like, it's, it was the difference of getting a pretty good deal on that for something that I knew I liked the sound of or dropping $1,200 on a Mesa cab that I've never heard and was out of stock until it didn't it didn't come back into stock to buy for like 
quite some time later. So I just would have been waiting for it. And so, I don't know. I, I, I felt like those were my choices. Um, not like A or B, but uh, like something that I at least had experience with and that I knew that, that I liked the sound of and was a pretty big improvement over what I already had and something that I had never gotten to play with before. And just because it's spoken of fairly well, you know, I would like to put my hand on it before I drop $1,200 on it. So. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Plus it's not like trivial to ship things like that. Like it wasn't like trivial to ship the box that, I mean, the, the guy did it and it arrived here safely, but like, I, I have a, like, just personally, I have a lot of anxiety about shipping. I know you do. Anything. <laughs> so, uh, like, shipping a cab that weighs as much as that Mesa did made me really nervous. Um, Despite the thousands of sales they must have on things like that. Yeah, I, don't, I, I really don't give a shit. It is going to, whatever it will, would go wrong, it will go wrong, like, for me. So I just... I just have this like irrational fear of things in the mail. Like, <laughs> what would that really mean though? It's like, oh, it breaks. And they say, oh, it broke in shipping. Okay, we'll send you another. Don't you understand the, incon- <laughs> the inconvenience? <laughs> I get what you're saying though. I mean, like, it, you were able to try something that you were walked away and liked. I just think it means like you're potentially limiting. I don't think you've made a compromise at all with this, but I'm just saying like that logic is like potentially limiting on like what could be had. I mean, in the case of the Vox, like you're just like, that's what I want. Got it. And that that makes total sense to order it instead as opposed to like, well, these fenders here at Hubbard's can give me like a distorted sound that I like and a clean sound that I like and use the options. So I'll just go with one of these or like, yeah, yeah. I kind of see that way. Like I know Jameson looked a bunch at the boss stuff before he came down here and bought that, but like it just seems like it's just kind of like a, it's here, and I'll buy it. Yeah, you know. But anywho, I will say that I I also just feel a certain amount of pleasure giving Hubbard's my money. Like I don't, I don't really know why. I mean, I like buying local, but I don't like. I like. I don't care to like settle for something that you wouldn't normally know. buy for the sake of buying local. Like, I guess settle is the way to put it, but it's it's more like like I'm not gonna like if I'm already ordering from Amazon and I can throw a pack of strings on there that I know that I need, then I'll do that. But I won't like if I can go and get them locally and do that, then that's fine. But I'm also not looking like. I'm looking to buy cables. I probably know like what I'm looking for, and like there's like a certain quality that I want to to die. And if I go to sure. Hubbard's and I only can get Fender cables or MXR or MXR cables, then I'm not just gonna buy the cables that are available. So I'll get the ones that I actually want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I mean, yeah, I'll do that too. I I guess like uh, um, I just so happen to like those MXR cables, but like. If I need like a really simple adapter that I know that they've got, I'll buy that there. But yeah. if it's something like that's a little more involved, then I'll 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 buy it. Yeah. From Sweetwater or from Amazon or whatever. Um 
Yeah. I can't really rationalize the way I think about stuff. <laughs> I mean, I just, I can't. Like, it just, I am the way that I am, and I don't really know what else to say about it. Like, it, oddly eccentric is, like, you know, it's just, oddly eccentric is the only way I know how to. Because I had this conversation with Elijah, I don't know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago or something, where it was like, you know what I would really like to do because Google has started to obfuscate your search history from you um, and they started to like abstract it away a little bit. So, so you can, you, you can, you can always view your search terms up to like 30 days or something, but um, it's the way that it's organized is it's, it's, it's just in one giant list of not only your search terms, but your search terms plus the pages that, that you've, looked at post search so i thought oh i should write a script that just catalogs my search terms i don't care about what site i looked at afterward what i really care about is what i was searching for in that moment because i was explaining to her i think if you could see how frequently and how like what a weird variety of things i'm constantly looking up you would understand as like why I can be kind of so, so scattered about certain things. Uh, because I think it's very like representative of the state of my mind. All of the things that I Google search in a 45 minute period left to my own. Like if I'm not actively working on something like, which I think everybody thinks that about themselves. Everybody does weird things on their phone and on the internet. And we all kind of like look up like, porn yeah yeah um you know how many ounces are in a liter or something like you know like just how many ounces can i get away with at the border yeah (laughs) (laughs) what does tsa actually check for (laughs) Um, how big a knife can i bring (laughs) (laughs) go ahead i've i've already outed myself so (laughs) Uh, um but like so, you know, I I don't know. I've stopped. I feel like one thing that you do really well is point out some of the contradictions I have in my line of thinking uh, about a lot of different things. That's not like a criticism of you, but like w- once you bring it up, I realize, oh, yeah, that wasn't really rational. Like I wasn't thinking as clearly as I thought I was thinking in that moment uh, until you kind of bring it to my attention about Oh well, you sh- you you know you've done this in the past. Why is it yeah, not yeah. okay to do it now? You know, yeah. and then I'm like, oh oh yeah, like thanks thanks dad. Like I mean, you know, <laughs> I should have I should have known. Like you know, um, but yeah, I I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I yeah, like I guess I think we all feel like in a similar way. Like I feel strangely about like the stuff that I look up like I like I'm thinking about it now like when I'm looking up like YouTube videos and I'm like trying to learn something about a topic or I'm looking through all my subscriptions I'm seeing like different different videos a day and I'm like okay I need to I need to save this one because I want to watch this This is like this seems really interesting to me and then by the end of the day I've got like three different episodes three different videos that like I want to try to work in and not miss but then there's also like there's also times where I'm like oh I want to get back to this other one because I want to like re- like rehash what I learned from that and like really solidify my understanding of that because it happens this anyone would say this about anything where you really read a book the second time or the third time whatever 
watch something at the same time, like listen to music for the third time, you hear something new. And like, I'm just like constantly in this, like not battle, but like routine of like, I'm watching old stuff, taking in the old information and just trying to like focus in on the stuff. Maybe I didn't catch the whole time while trying to balance that with like, uh, there's like three new things that just showed up today that like I'm putting on my watch later. And I'm going to go and try to find those later. And sometimes it's just to save it so that like I can, I can like, reference it later and not like i'll make a playlist if i need to on a certain topic or whatever but like it's a totally different thing as opposed to like searching for all these different stuff i'm like i've got what sort of like i'm looking for and the people whose information i like to have and then i'm just going and like amongst those 10 15 people that are putting out videos every every day it's like three of those total are like ones that i really want to check out because yeah. not everyone's a banger. Like, not everyone's doing, like... And they're doing, like, a variety of content. So yeah, like, yeah, I just yeah. want to key into what's interesting to me. I don't need to know what people are doing with the Dark Magician deck or anything, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, that's fine. You do that. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I, I think not to get, like, preachy about this, but, like, you know, that's also just part of our generation is, like, we're we're able to hit so many, like, nodes of information almost simultaneously that it's it's easy to to have like that kind of broad spectrum of of like oh this 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 and this and then you're not even really having to consciously organize it in your mind because you're able to save it in a playlist or save it in a so you know that yes like that x x is there i i can retrieve it later or something like that but um like i think that that's just and we i all of us are guilty of once we get kind of onto a topic or a subject that we're interested in, we really just kind of dive right into it as far as we'll go. Like, okay, what about like, just to take it back to gear, like, you know, what, like, what does this do? Who's used it? What's a review of this? How was it used in this application? What about, you know, like we try to learn everything that we possibly kind of can about it. And like, um, I don't know really exactly where I was going with that, but the point that I was trying to make was like, um, we kind of share that desire to um, understand something well enough to where we can see its application meeting a need for us before kind of diving on it. Uh, and like, I think we all do that to varying degrees, Joey, I think being, being the best at it, like kind of like fully understanding a thing before buying a thing. So I don't know. I don't know. It's just interesting to think about, I guess was kind of the point. Yeah. The other thing I think you've had it at one point, I'm not, I can't remember when it was, but you would, I feel like one variation of your rig had just the B7K as like you know, although it's it's definitely a preamp pedal, like as mar- as far as marketing, but like you like, was there not a version where you tr- like actually used it as like just the preamp and then went into like a power amp? Did was that not a variation, or was that like? Am I thinking of back to the pod stuff you had? I thought there was a rig where like you literally went into the power amp of some sort of amp. And I it was all BCFNK. We shared that Crown, uh, power amp 
Yeah, but that was just that was back when you had the pod. That was when I had the pod. I don't think there was ever a time where I just went B seven K straight. There was there there was a couple of times where we played a gig where I did the DI of the B seven K into front of house. Yeah. That happened a few times. I think maybe we just talked about it and like whenever we were considering the B seven K for your rig was like technically it would be like you would gain more by making that upgrade there because at the time you could have used and i think again even the 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 pf what was it the ampeg pf 500 watt the 500 yeah the portaflex um i think even then like that would didn't that was like a, a a totally fine sounding amplifier but even then it was like you technically wouldn't even really need to worry about like the onboard tone stack of that. You could just go out from the B7K straight into that and just use it as a power amp. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was just maybe a conversation that I had. Yeah, but, yeah. But that's, I think that's, I remember that. Yeah. I think that is like not uncommon as we've spoken to before for like almost more so, almost more common actually in the bass realm to do things like that where like you see some bass players being able to be more comfortable with just going direct and nothing else. Yeah. Um, sometimes, which is interesting. Um, especially like with some sort of like, you, you just see it so much more and have for years, like in bass pedals, like uh, the B seven K or other ones where they like, I think some of the earliest pedals that had XLR outs on them, as far as being preamp or drive related were bass pedals. If, if my memory serves. Yeah, Sans Amp is another example. Yeah. Yeah. Which I still really would like to have one of those. Yeah, I think it'd be really cool if you got one. They had one at Guitar Center used in uh in Tempe when I was there. Um it was a fair price too. It was like supposed to be in good condition. I think it was like $120 or something. It was not very expensive. I couldn't find it in the used case and I couldn't get anybody to to like help me look for it mm, yeah so i just i just left but i was like oh my god i'm finally gonna get my hands on one of these are there different i'm sure there's different ones but is there like a a grail one is there like one that people prefer to your knowledge the, the one the todd brashear model yeah that's the one that everybody uses um let me see uh it's the it's the Tech Twenty One Sansamp Bass Driver DI V Two. So it's um, the version two that people like the most, or, or is that just the one you're seeing? No, like, for that, example, like the full tone OCD. There's like that's the common that's the common one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because the full tone has like different versions, and even like the most recent one, people some people prefer the old one despite the newer improvements. So I'm just wondering if there's like yeah. notable changes they've made to the circuit. Like people prefer a certain era or like a you know something like that. Um, they, so, um, the one that, that I'm most familiar with is, and I think there actually is a variation here. They have, they have a classic one, which that one I've actually never seen anybody use and wasn't even familiar with it. But the one that, um, that I'm the most familiar with is the D or is the, is the DI box that, um, is the, it says NYC on it, which I assume stands for New York city. But I'm looking at their site now, and they actually have a Getty Lee signature set, which is that's that's super cool. I didn't know that. Um, and the knobs look actually nuts on this thing. <laughs> that's super cool. That's cool. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, you know, but part of that is like sentimental value stuff too, right? Like we t- talked about that in the past. Is like so many people that I that we watched and Todd recording with him, even though he was a horse's ass and did a bad mix for an air conditioner trade that didn't go right or whatever. Like, you know, he used that Griffin used one, I believe like there's, you know, it's just a cool thing. Um, it's it, the sound of an era too. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's the sound of an era. Like that was like, you can put that on and it kind of takes you back to like the distortion sounds or even like, just like sculpted in that certain way. Kind of sound that people used for all those years. So it's it's like anything else, and it's like the same thing that we like mentioned before, and I think I mentioned in one before too. It's like it's it's like it doesn't take up space. It's like it's easy to have, and it's like it's like something you can just throw on the board, move in and out when you want it. Yeah, and then some, you don't have to have it out if you don't need to. You don't have to have like all this space committed to it. So I also think it'd be cool if you got one of those ODB threes for the boss units that are yellow. Oh those yeah, are, yeah, yeah. Always, yeah. You know that uh, what's the guy's name from Carnival? Stockman. 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 Yeah. His, I think early on, like he had a battle amongst other things. He but did like have he did a, those, yeah. a couple of those. And that unit I always thought was cool, but that's a certain, so back to the thing I said way earlier on is like, that's a, the, the, uh, the OD one that, that was their first o- overdrive pedal, right? Bosses OD one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. The OD one and the, and the SD one, which is the super overdrive one, right? those circuits are fairly easy to emulate um like, yeah both of them are like an sd1 is like two components different than a tube screamer yeah 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 and or it's i mean maybe more than that but it's it's like very very close to the same thing and there's like have for years and years and years been like people have that have written up like oh you can just clip this change that and then you've essentially got a ts9 or like a you know TS8 sure, yeah. you know do this whatever but yeah they're very close yeah i i just i brought that up because like for people that are like looking to learn how to build from scratch and not use a kit or something that's a common starting place is yeah. to is to do something like that um uh well there is something else that while we're on the topic of educating me about things um can we talk a little bit about uh so this is actually something i don't really understand very well and i know that both of you have had experience with it so load boxes i know allow you to basically plug an amplifier into something that isn't meant to take the load of the amp what what is the purpose of an an attenuator in in the signal chain um so I, I, I'm almost positive attenuators uh, predate the load boxes, but because yeah. um, I knew about attenuators like pretty early on, but I didn't know about a load box until several years later. But uh, attenuators then were, I guess, they filled a similar purpose. It was, but the load box is like you think of being able to have like being able to in some way use that sound into like a into a a recording interface um whereas an attenuator then was just meant to like see the amp and then downscale the volume while still getting it to be able to be cranked and achieve like the certain breakup at this one sound or their particular you know um, yeah you know sound at a certain volume and so you would um then it was always like 
I can't remember all the units. I want to say some of them were like Rivera units. I can't fully remember. And maybe one of them was with the V too. Um, but yeah, you would just take your huge head that was high wattage and like a Marshall was the best example. And then like um, run it into that so you could crank it, but not have to like blow out or not like literally blow, blow out the speakers, but like have it be, have it be much, much, much quieter. And that's like, I think that technology has been around for a while and it eventually be like, I don't know the order that it happened, but there is some um, amount of like relating what uh, modern day master volumes are um, and attenuators are attenuators uh, though, uh, just to be clear, like we're more common to uh, be able to provide um things that were inherent and specific to the power amp section of your amp at the time. Cause when you, when you use a master volume, you don't really get the effect of pushing the power amp uh, tubes of your amplifier. Yeah. Uh, whereas an attenuator, because it's after the fact is just taking everything that's there and then p- pulling that down. So in some ways it, people like kind of conflate them and they, they are similar in some ways, but it just depends on like on what the sound you're going for is achieving. If it doesn't, if it's not to get the power amp, like saturation thing and it's very loose saturation then the attenuator can help you achieve that a bit better but the difference there with the load box is like the load box will um you don't really get to i mean there are some that exist i'm sure there's like combination load box attenuators that have them but primarily all the ones that you think of like the the sir uh yeah yeah reactive load um the two two notes there's Yeah, Fractal has one. I'm pretty sure Fryette has one. Mm. Um, and again, they may have like attenuators built into them as well, but largely the load box portion is to be able to take your amp, plug it into that. You can still crank it up and it'll sort of eat up the power, or not the power, but like the load, and then you can run that into your audio interface at a line level. Sure. Um, or in the case of some that have the option, like I think like the Oxbox, the the boss one, other ones, like even this newer Sir um, IR one, load IR is digitally onto that. And then um, it, like a live application, I mean, you can still like, some of them have like um, external outs on them. So you can still run out into your cab. Um, but instead of having to mic up the amp, you can take the IR, whatever that you've loaded onto the unit and go straight to front of house with that. So you have the consistent thing. Yeah. Like you would get with a modeler, but then also have, um, a live amp sound on stage so yeah yeah and you actually brought up something there that like this is a whole other topic that we'll probably have to get into at some other time but like uh the way that you get good and consistent irs to use like of, of course you can buy them like from mm-hmm. people that you know you know and trust or or they come pre preloaded but like um that's something that like has only increased in popularity and that I have a lot of interest in um, how that is like emulated, especially in, in an entirely digital setting. Uh, But that's that, I don't know. I find that like, like really fascinating in some ways it's basically magic to me. Like, I mean, there's a lot of unknown to me on how they do it too. Like, I don't, I don't fully understand the process of like how you take an IR of something that like you don't have, a unit that specifically got that option in it, like outside of like all the things that are built into things like the axe effects and stuff that's, that can let you capture the R. Like I'm, I've never 
and have always meant to like never looked in too much and like what plugins or software do I need? Would one need to be able to do that without whatever the proprietary method that people like fractal use to do that are, because that is certainly a thing Yeah, that all these companies are able to do. Uh, I, I just don't know how they do it. Like, I'm, I'm very curious about that myself. Um, just another anecdotal thing that I wanted to share that I was, was going to share on the last episode that, um, like, you know, I, for as long as I've been in plugged into this scene of music, like I've just been thought that the Axfex was the craziest thing ever. And just was so fascinated by like the endless possibilities of modeling. And, and I still use that stuff a lot today. And like, you know, if, if we had the neural plugins when we were 16, like that would be crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, like to have that kind yeah. of technology and stuff. And, um, as much as I love all that stuff, like in a lot of ways it requires me to be sitting in front of the computer yeah and being like plugged into that and that in and of itself like for me is kind of a sense of stress because yeah. i'm like well i need to be working on something i need to complete something and like having my little amp in the living room to like just go sit and play and just like not have a goal other than just enjoying playing the guitar yeah is really nice and so as much as I love like modeling units and like technology and stuff, like just having a totally analog experience, just sitting and playing the guitar is like a really nice thing. And I really enjoy it. Yeah. That. No, I, I agree for sure. Being able to come in here and play and like watch television or something mm-hmm. and not be sitting at the desk that, that makes a big like difference in, in my headspace mm-hmm. on like what I, what I think to do. Like, I play in here to learn songs or to just jam or whatever. Like I'm not trying to record something. I don't think I have the same, I don't experience the same stress doing that. Like whenever I'm plugging in and I'm ripping on a plugin at home, like I'm not feeling like I got to jot something down. I got to get something done with it. It's It's just for the fun of it. And I think that's like, like what happened whenever I had, a model or two is it like I don't know it's weird how it varies because I think myself compared to you guys like I was like deep in the Axe Effects 2 like playing like every amp every like high gain amp and seeing what that was done what that was and like it was like constantly changing to like where it could be like sensory overload and option paralysis like and like there was a balance there too but like i did learn a lot from doing that but i i don't think i ever sit i think it yeah it's a mental thing for sure it's like i don't all my stuff is in the same space including where i work um but whether i'm playing through my amps like it's a different vibe but i don't feel stressed to like do something with it even uh uh, even if I'm sitting in front of the desk, maybe it's cause I, I don't have like it that set up right now to be able to accomplish anything, but, it, but I think it's maybe like a, maybe that's a mental thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I do think there's something about like jamming in a separate space. And I think that's what I took away from that a bit more. Is it like, yeah, yeah. In the times where I've had something like when I had the Yamaha and I was in the living room playing something, it definitely was a different feeling. And like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, 
hard for me to want to not not want to do that now but like it just means that like okay of the instruments that I have is like I need to be able to bring this down with me before I'm able to do that and I can't really like act on like an idea I have in my head on the moment because I have this roadblock of like let me go get that yeah 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 um so it's, it's a bit different yeah yeah we've talked about that in the past too and I I I do share that sense in some ways and it, but it's the same the other way too it's like sometimes it's like I have the guitar here with me in the living room and I have this idea I don't want to have to go down and get all this stuff set up in order to be able to like hash that out yeah so it's the same thing it's like sometimes having it in the living room and just turning it on and messing around uh we'll give you something else definitely a different vibe especially like you've spoken about a lot like the difference in um hearing back uh what is a pretty polished recording sound versus like getting these like i mean you still have room reflections even in that realm but like getting a what would arguably be a more raw sound Mm -hmm. um, and less like focused without like the filtering of like a microphone or something on it. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a difference there and it's, uh, it's fun. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I did want to wrap with like, it's halfway through the year. We still have a lot more stuff that we want to talk about. Um, uh, thank you guys for listening. This was a, this was a, a, a funny episode basically. So, is that okay? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's great. great. That's great. Thank you guys again for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Oh, I didn't get to say what I wanted to say. (laughs) Oh, you were asking? (laughs) Yeah, I was asking you, is that that okay? I thought you were doing a bit. No. uh, I I, I was doing a bit. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Oh like God. you're the one who goes in and edits it. you can do whatever you want there. Though. We can do another round. Go ahead. Okay. This is this is not a bit. <laughs> <laughs> this is real life. All right. Well, before I start my bit, I <laughs> uh, we're coming up on the. This is our sixth episode for 2023, and our sixth episode ever. Um, we still have a lot of ground that 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 we want to cover. Uh, we, we there's a lot of topics that we want to go deep on. Um, you know, a lot of this has been just planning how to effectively use our time and not, you know, shoot our wad off entirely in the first few episodes. And so I think we're we're getting better at that and I'm excited about what's going to come up for the back half of 2023 here. Um, but most importantly, I think we all want to thank everybody who listens and, um, takes the time to leave any amount of feedback, uh, either to us directly or like wherever you listen to the podcast. Um, you know, we do see that and it means a lot to us. Uh, this is something that is just, fun for me to do with my brothers and it's cool that other people enjoy it too so yeah definitely been a lot of fun and learning something every time and looking forward to the future yep thank you everyone any chance i get to make an ass out of myself i'm taking it (laughs) (laughs) thanks everybody